Section 26 of Christmas and Christmas Lore. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Christmas and Christmas Lore by Thomas G. Crippen. Section 26 Puritan Hostility to Christmas reference has been made to the puritan hostility to christmas this is much more easily explained than justified it was not that puritanism was generally averse to mirth though there were ascetic puritans as well as ascetic papists after all there is not very much to choose between the papists at coventry who burned a woman for possessing the scriptures and english and the puritan at banbury who hanged his cat on monday for killing a mouse on sunday however the puritans were so deeply impressed with the sanctity of the lord's day that they transferred to it not only all the stringency of the law of moses respecting the sabbath but much of the spirit of rabbinical tradition now the unreformed church had quite subordinated the lord's day to the great ecclesiastical festivals and the anti-puritan party under elizabeth and james i showed a like inclination the puritans thought that festivals of mere human institution when thus exalted above a sabbath of divine obligation became objectionable and had better not be observed the first two Stuart kings, on the other hand, sought to extinguish the rather austere Puritan Sabbath by encouraging Sunday games, and to this end put forth a notorious book of sports. This declaration of war against the Puritan ideal provoked an assault on all those church festivals which were thus put in open competition with the Sabbath. And as Christmas was the most popular of them all, on it were poured out the vials of the fiercest indignation pamphlets were published in which it was denounced as at once heathenish and popish and its observance was declared to be sinful this was in close accord with the sentiment which then prevailed in scotland the religious movement in that country had been not merely a reformation it was a revolution its leaders knox melville and the rest thought the romanized church too bad to be mended in their view it must be ended and a new beginning made strictly on the model which they believed they had found in the new testament now certainly the new testament makes no mention of ecclesiastical festivals so the new beginning included the sweeping of them all away yule among the rest on the twenty sixth december fifteen eighty three the glasgow kirk session put five persons to public penance for keeping the superstitious day called yule ten years later in fifteen ninety three the same glasgow session ordained that keepers of this feast should be debarred from the privileges of the church and punished by the magistrates and in 1649 the General Assembly appointed a commission to report on the druidical customs observed at the fires of Beltane, Midsummer, Halloween, and Yule. 
no doubt with the view to their more effectual suppression but the end of it was merely that all the worst of the old christmas customs were transferred to new year's day in the scottish highlands the presbyterian order and the puritan sentiment were far less dominant than in the more southern counties and in them prelacy and roman catholicism each had numerous and influential adherents in these therefore christmas persisted in surviving in spite of kirk sessions and general assemblies but it would seem from mrs grant's popular superstitions of the highlands that down to the latter part of the eighteenth century its observance was more festive than religious consisting for the most part of games dancing feasting and tippling moreover to the puritan extremists any recognition of christians whether festive or religious was equally offensive it was much the same across the atlantic it is said that in one of the new england settlements a number of young men proposed to celebrate christmas by a football match but the governor intervened saying if their conscience forbids them to work my conscience forbids me to allow them to play some compensation for the suppressed christmas was found in the newly instituted thanksgiving day on the last thursday in november in sixteen thirty three william prine a fanatical puritan lawyer published a huge volume more than half as big as the bible to prove the sinfulness of almost every kind of amusement but especially of stage plays and christmas festivities the title of this amazing monument of learned folly is histriomastics or the player's scourge in it he denounces all christmas games and feasting as a wicked survival of the heathen saturnalia but he does not seem seriously averse to a sober religious recognition of the anniversary his fanatical hostility to all sorts of sport and merriment would probably have been laughed at and forgotten but for the brutal punishment inflicted on him for his foolish book the effect of setting him in the pillory and cutting off his ears was to exalt a crank into a hero and a martyr most of the english puritan leaders had a great admiration for the church of scotland which they deemed one of the best reformed churches and political exigencies on the breaking out of the civil war gave an enormous impetus to scottish ideas in england these ideas were acquiesced in no doubt in loyalty to the solemn league and covenant by many who regarded them with little sympathy perhaps it was by way of compromise that in sixteen forty two a volume of thirty-six metrical psalms appeared set in secular ballad tunes the title was psalms or songs of sion turned into the language and set to the tunes of a strange land by william slater intended for christmas carols etc but the new forces of conscience as milton called them would have no compromise and so in sixteen forty four when for a season puritanism was in power under the long parliament the monthly fast 
was appointed for christmas day it was by this time a somewhat risky business to defend the old order so in sixteen forty five a satirical tract appeared with the following title the arraignment conviction and imprisoning of christmas on st thomas day last and how he broke out of prison in the holidays and got away with a hue and cry after christmas and what shift he was fain to make to save his life printed by simon mince pie for sisley plum porridge and to be sold at the sign of the pack of cards in mustard alley in bronze street on twenty second december sixteen forty seven the town crier of canterbury by order of the mayor proclaimed a market on christmas day following on that day however being saturday only about a dozen shops were opened these were stormed by an angry mob and compelled to close a few of the rioters were committed to prison but were forcibly released the sunday passed peaceably but on monday the rioting was renewed and several persons were seriously injured peace was restored by an agreement between the leaders of the two factions that no man shall further question or trouble them on the twenty-fourth december sixteen fifty two about four months before cromwell dispersed it the parliament gave order that no observation shall be had of the five-and-twentieth day of december commonly called christmas day nor any solemnity used or exercised in churches upon that day in respect thereof but surely the limit was reached in sixteen fifty six when a puritan crank named hezekiah woodward printed a tract with this amazing title christmas day the old heathen's feasting day in honor to satan their idol god the papist massing day the superstitious man's idol day the multitude's idol day satan's that adversary's working day the true christian man's fasting day taking to heart the heathenish customs popish superstitions ranting fashions fearful provocations horrible abominations committed against the lord and his christ on that day and days following it may suffice to add that the sequel was worthy of the title page in evelyn's diary we read that on christmas day sixteen fifty seven he and others were arrested while engaged in worship in exeter chapel and were detained for several hours however they were allowed to finish the service which included a celebration of the holy communion indeed there are indications that the cromwellian regime was less intolerant than that of the long parliament and in spite of restrictions christmas managed to survive both in its religious and its festal aspects this at least may be gathered from the following title page make room for christmas or remember your christmas box being a delightful new book full of merry jests rare inventions pretty conceits christmas carols pleasant tales and witty verses written by lawrence price 
1657 who wishes well to all those that bear goodwill to roast beef plum pottage white loaves strong beer warm clothes good fires and soft lodging the blunders of well-meaning people are often in their effect worse than crimes and it is fairly open to question whether the beheading of charles i was in the long run so harmful to the puritan interest as the blunder of trying to suppress the old english christmas one thing is certain when old christmas returned after the restoration it was with a new face the violent reaction against puritanism led to the degradation of a great christian anniversary to a mere heathenish yuletide holiday and instead of the old carols to the praise of the babe of bethlehem the cavalier rhymesters poured forth rollicking songs to the praise of plum pudding goose capon minced pies and roast beef meanwhile the misdirected puritan conscientiousness persisted in some quarters for three or four generations far into the eighteenth century grave presbyterian divines preached against the observance of christmas and as late as eighteen thirty hymn books were in use in baptist and other congregations which either made no provision at all or barely admitted one or two poor hymns suitable for a commemoration of the holy nativity in scotland the puritan tradition so far survives that even to this day the recognition of christmas either in its religious or its festive aspect is confined to a minority of the population in most places business goes on as usual end of section twenty six recording by john brandon